Welcome to our MBA Admissions Podcast, Mythbuster Series. This episode is focused on the myths associated with recruiting, especially in a one-year program. Tune in to learn more about Ivy MBA recruiting success stories, including career transitions in a one-year program. So welcome, everyone. My name is Lindsay Littman. I'm one of the associate directors here at Ivy, part of uh, the full-time MBA recruiting and admissions team, part of what I do along with my colleagues as we interact with candidates at all stages of whether you just downloaded a brochure, you did our Ivy Fit quiz, you did a resume assessment, but you've got a preliminary interest in our program all the way through to hopefully submitting an application and uh, even possibly joining us. So uh, I'm part of the journey with you, and so I'm excited today to have two of our alumni with us today who've also been through the journey on the other side, and they now get to share with you, you know, sort of the reasons around why they pursued the MBA, their time in the program, and of course now being out of the program for a few months. It's hard to believe they're officially alumni now um, that uh, they get to share on that, that journey as well. Today's focus is really on the, the trying to debunk that myth that's out there around a career transition not being possible in a one-year program and the, the heavy importance that uh, some possibly two-year programs will emphasize for needing that in order to be successful with changing your career, whether it's a drastic pivot, whether it's a slight modification, maybe you're doing a couple of transitions, maybe it's a geography and an industry or a function. And we've even had those do the trifecta, uh, industry, function, and geography, and all successful within a one-year program. And certainly you can probably see as you look at the stats and be an educated buyer that you look at career employment and success, then career transitions consistently in the past decade, it's 89% or higher, complete at least one career transition. And that percentage is in line with our two-year competitors as well. So we're just here today to debunk some of those myths, have a nice, very casual conversation. Um, I'm joined here with Jessica McEwen and Katie Lowe, a part of our class of 2022, so fresh graduates. I haven't even started their careers quite yet. They start in the next couple of months, but I'm really happy to have them here today to t- tell more about their journey, their decision-making, and of course, to really emphasize on the career um, support and how they made their career transitions. Now, we're going to have a very informal conversation. We're going to open up for Q&A at the very end of the session. We'll try to leave the last 10 to 15 minutes. So please do um, you know, think of some questions that may come up along the way. And we'll make sure that we do address them, whether it's the chat box or through the raise the hand function. But uh, we will hold off towards the end of the session. So let's kick it off with uh, Jessica. Let's start with yourself. If you don't mind just introducing yourself, perhaps sharing, you know, your, your undergraduate degree, where you were before coming to London for your Ivy MBA, and uh, maybe where you are now as your career as well. Sure. Sounds wonderful. So hi, everyone. I'm Jess. Um, I grew up in Western Canada, so outside of Calgary. Um, For my undergrad, I studied on the East Coast in Atlantic Canada um, at St. Francis Xavier University, where I did my Bachelor of Business Administration. So I'm the uh, one of the weirdos that has a business undergrad and went back for a master's in business. And a reason for that was because of career transition. So I think this is um, apt time to talk about that. Um, I live in Toronto now. Um, I knew I wanted to be in Toronto full-time post- MBA uh, in London. And so in the fall, I'll be starting with McKinsey and Company just as a generalist consultant. So um, no specific industry or function yet, but hoping to specialize over the first two years. Um, And maybe I'll pass it over to Katie. Awesome. That's great. Thanks so much, Jess. Yes, Katie, please, by all means. Yeah. So my name is Katie. Really nice to meet you all. Um, I'm originally from Vancouver, um, but I did my undergrad at the University of Guelph. Um, Also weirdo, like Jess did a Bachelor of Commerce doing business my undergrad. 
Um, but I majored in tourism management. I always loved travel. I loved people. And that kind of sparked my passion for the tourism and travel industry. So prior to the MBA, I worked at Expedia within the lodging sector um, in a revenue optimization and account management role. And similar to Jess, I really wanted to accelerate my career and kind of get um, that higher uh, leadership business acumen. And so that kind of sparked my interest for the MBA. Um, and after the MBA, I'll be joining Deloitte as a consultant within their human capital practice. Um, a very different pivot, um, as, as Lindsay mentioned earlier, but uh, really excited to start in something completely new. Yeah, that is that is great. That's super exciting for you both, and interesting you both pivoted into consulting, uh, given that you know the backgrounds that um, you had. And this by no means means that you have to pivot into consulting. So I'm going to put that out there right now. Uh, we've got the two great alumni today just to share their experiences. And honestly, as a group, we we're always saying that you know pursue what you want to pursue. Obviously, in a business related field. But there is always a very high interest of consulting. Um, every year, there is what's called the consulting bubble that happens where because they typically kick off earlier with recruiting, a lot of the students, though, may not come in with a consulting interest, think they should be part of the consulting interest. But uh, um, these two obviously had that interest and, uh, and were successful with those transitions and those pivots. And I would even say you're, you're almost, you're both sort of like maybe global Cosmo Canadians, because you've lived across the, the country a bit. I like that. You're not all just from the Ontario region. You've lived out, out west, but now east some exposure. Uh, and now you'll be selling down in, in Toronto once you get your career started. So it's so very exciting. Now, deciding the MBA does take a lot of time. Obviously, you've got to figure out, you know, why you're ready now in your career, all the factors going into it, or as we always say in our team, like buying the MBA. It's not an overnight decision. Um, you both mentioned you want to accelerate and advance your careers, and obviously we're very successful with doing that. Um, but when you're narrowing down your schools of choice, uh, maybe Katie will start with you on this one. Can you share with us what you know how you approached buying the MBA, how it was you know, or what it was with Ivy that made you say yes to us? Absolutely. Um, so I've always been a very people-oriented person. Um, the classes that I found the most interesting in my undergrad were the ones where it was very discussion-based, um, very problem-solving within teams. And so I knew that I wanted a school that really aligned with that sort of learning model, um, and that led me to Ivy. Um, so while I did kind of shop around at different schools, joined in on kind of Zoom calls, um, I found that the recruitment process with Ivy was the most personalized. Um, and so, you know, not only did they take, in a, take into account, um, you know, my GMAT scores, my undergrad, my work experience, my volunteer experience, um, it was a very holistic process and it made me feel um, like I wasn't just a number uh, when I was in that recruitment process, which I felt um, was very unique. Uh, I talked to quite a few different schools across Canada um, and that sort of warm, friendly vibe is kind of what I associated with Ivy the most and ultimately led me to um, a very easy decision with accepting Ivy. Well, we were lucky to have you. So that's, that's <laughs> great to hear that you also enjoyed your, your experience. And Jess, what about yourself? Yeah, a little bit different for me. So um, in the pandemic year of the MBA, my partner was in, in the MBA at Ivy and we knew that transition was right for him out of his career. And I was happy in the work I was doing. I was in Calgary working um, in an investment management firm and I loved the work I did. But when I saw my partner's experience at Ivy and the like ease of transition that he made to Toronto, especially um, both being finance professionals, I was like, wow, <laughs> that worked out well, even though he did all of his classes online. He had the most covid -y year at Ivy, I think there is to date. Um, and that's what sparked my interest. The second piece for me um, in joining Ivy is that I my GMAT was waived because I have my CFA. And so not saying, not saying that was the main selling point, but again, like the ease and transition for me being on 
maybe the older end of the spectrum as far as students that are admitted to it, it was nice that I didn't have to spend the extra time studying and um, and writing that that test. I know a lot of people, um, a lot of my peers who did, were had a leg up for like consulting prep, for example, because there's a lot of practice in there that goes into the kind of interviewing you do in consulting. But um, to answer the main question, it was because I saw the experience my partner had and the ease um, of him starting his new career in Toronto. Yeah, that, that's great. It is it is really helpful to get, connect with those who've lived the experience. I mean, you saw it really firsthand. And as you mentioned too, he was part of that COVID cohort, as we call it, the class of 2021, where it was a the roller coaster of COVID continued and it was up and down and you're inside and you're outside and you know, not quite sure what's what's gonna be happening tomorrow, but still successful with his journey and career. So that was was great to see. And it's nice to see the firsthand, especially going, if you said, from financial services into a consulting transition, because uh, that is not one that maybe could be easily done. And so you want to understand like what gets involved in that and how can I be successful with this? So um, that was really nice to see. Now with with yourself, Katie, on this note, when you're looking at all the different MBA programs and you mentioned you were looking across Canada, were you at all leaning towards a two-year program? Was there at all a bit of a concern thinking, ah, I need this internship or I really want to have that extra year to figure out what it is I exactly want to do? Yeah, I definitely um, took that into consideration, but ultimately, um, you know, I, I love the fast-pacedness of work and I knew I wanted to kind of get back to that. Um, I knew that I kind of would be able to, if I was in an intensive enough program, that I would kind of get everything that I needed out of that one year. And so while I did kind of consider it for a little bit, um, I think it was a pretty easy decision to think about. Um, and after talking to alumni and current students as well, um, that it was quite, uh, like like Jess said, a, quite a quick transition back into the workforce. Um, and so, you know, leaning on some of the resources and the alumni network that Ivy has, um, it really sort of, you know, I didn't feel that that two-year program was necessary. Okay, that's good. And I have to ask this because it's always a question as well. Was there any apprehension, this is for you both, uh, in terms of coming to London, you know, not in Toronto, so not where, you know, Deloitte's located or McKinsey's located. Was there any concern with the location of the program at all? I can go first with this one. Um, I actually was one of the, London was one of the reasons why I was interested in Ivy because I wanted to be at a school where um, everybody was going to be together. Um, so kind of similar to Guelph, where it's just kind of a university town. Um, you really spend that one year really getting to know your peers, really just spending time, you know, digging into the problems that you have in your learning team. I mean, you know, having those opportunities to kind of explore the city together. Um, that was one of the selling points for me. And, um, you know, I think that really did happen um, during our year and it made us a lot closer. Um, so I think that London actually turned out to be pretty awesome. <laughs> I love that London was a selling point for you. I'm going to try to, to ch- use that more often now in my work. So that's great to communicate Just about like yourself. Yeah, I think um, definitely the community, Katie, like we share that and wanting to spend time with our peers. Um, I think for me, I was like, I was anxious about like both of our respective moves to London because I stayed in Calgary when my partner first moved to London. And I was like, like, where are we going to live? What are we going to do? And there's so much support for, for that transition. Now, I don't have an international experience, but um, from our peers, Katie, I know that there was the support on the ground, especially for them who were arriving um, during COVID, right? So not to focus too much on the COVID days, but I remember having that anxiety of like moving to a new city provinces away and it worked out just fine. And a lot of the local students were extremely helpful in getting us settled in and it felt like home really quickly. Oh, that's great. 
Yeah, every year I would say there's always about up to five individuals who are actually from the city of London or who are living here before the program starts. And yes, they are heavily used uh, in terms of like, okay, really, where do the locals go? Where do we go for food and entertainment and and all that fun stuff? But London itself is a really easy city to get along, get around in terms of it's not so not so large, not super small town either, but kind of a nice in between size. So there's fun to be had and places to get around, but. Like any place when you move, you do need some time to adapt. And we do have some resources through a team called City Match that will help with an adjustment to the city of London um, should you like that extra support. So well, I'm glad there was no you know negative thinking towards London too much there. That's great to hear that. And you both enjoyed it and, and certainly had some fun during your time here. Now, as today's session is focused on the career support and focus of the recruiting in the one-year program, let's sort of going to segue into this and spend a bit of time on your experience, even the few months, you know, leading up to the program start, because I know career management does reach out and introduce themselves. And there's some online resources before the first day. So, um, you know, maybe Jess, do you want to share with sort of, you know, from January to March, what was sort of the things that maybe you were working on with the MBA from the career management perspective? Yeah. So the first thing that we're doing really from CM and well, abbreviate it, career management, yeah. right. CM. That's true. I think That's Katie right. and I will probably both say CM by yeah. That's right. Um, so the first thing we hear from CM is kind of uh, the standards for how we put ourselves out there in terms of resume, LinkedIn. Um, Katie, help me if there's anything else that I'm missing in that time, but I think that was the main two. Um, and, and making it um, and standardizing everybody's uh, resumes and LinkedIn to a way that they know works, right? So at first, I don't know about you, Katie, but I was apprehensive thinking, all of us are going to look the same, but that's what the industry expects. Um, and I find that our resumes and our LinkedIn all would have this Ivy polish that would be ready by the time we got to school. Um, and so they reviewed both of those items, gave feedback, and we would revise them again. Um, and we'd get kind of a grade to so you could see where you were in their eyes of how and how you compared to your peers. Um, at the time between January and March, I thought it was a little bit silly because I'm like, we're not even there yet. I don't know. And then I got there in March and realized you'd have absolutely no time to work on your resume or your LinkedIn. So it was a wonderful exercise to do during that period and something the CM team works with you to continue to tailor as you um, look to pursue another industry or that sort of thing. But um, I think that's all we were doing from that period besides moving across um, to new cities, Katie? <laughs> yeah, I think there was um, a few a few different things too. I remember getting like a, a handbook from CM, kind of just like <clears throat> detailing sort of um, the frequently asked questions, which I found really helpful because you sort of don't even know what to expect from, from them in the beginning. And it was everything from <clears throat> sort of like what to wear all the way to, you know, when you get an offer, what should you do? Obviously, it's very, very early for that. But just so you can kind of like think about these things um, to kind of think like, okay, like, you know, once you have offers and negotiating offers, you know, there's resources for that. Um, and I think one thing that I really enjoyed actually in the beginning of that um, first few months was this career match. Um, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was sort of a quiz to kind of help you figure out um, your skill sets, your interests, um, and sort of, you know, if you like working with people or with numbers. Um, and it was a pretty comprehensive test and I mean, it's a test, like kind of a questionnaire sort of, um, and it actually has helped kind of spark my interest in human capital and, um, and organization, organizational behavior. Um, and that wasn't something that I'd ever considered as a career choice, but it kind of said, you know, you're very people oriented, you enjoy, you know, being client facing, um, perhaps people consulting is something that might be interesting for you. So 
Um, I remember that sticking out quite a bit um, in the early on in the program with CM. Yeah, I think that's the career leader and things they were offering. Yes. A lot of those, yes, yes. And you're right, because there are some people who join the program that when they fill out the application, what they write in that essay number one around, you know, why the MBA and the post-MBA career goals, it does stay true. So the whole time in the program. Then there are a lot of others who will put in something and their mind changes once, twice, three times during the program. And both are, are okay. You know, both are fine. There's, there's obviously some stress if you're changing your mind a few times. And again, like Jess mentioned, changing your cover letter a few different times uh, to make it appropriate, but that's okay. But that's where, for what career management, why they, they implement to that career leader resource in the first few months is just to get a sense of, you know, what are the things that you enjoy doing? And, and for you, Katie, it was great that it opened up a whole world that you never even thought of. And that's actually where you're going now with Deloitte. So, um, so thanks to career leader that kind of helps steer you in that direction. And, and, uh, and you're right, Jess, when the program begins in March, it is so busy, uh, especially the first three months, I would say, and we're going to break down sort of in months time to get an idea of the career support and, and what that looks like throughout the one year. But in the first few months, you do start to see career management integrated both into the classroom and also and sessions outside of that. But then you're also adjusting to learning through cases, which takes a little bit more time. You don't develop that muscle quite overnight. So you're spending more time doing homework. Plus you're social, you're going out with your friends and you're going to club events and different activities. Plus you still have to make time to eat, sleep and shower, right? So you're trying to figure it all out. So that's why career management will do some preliminary outreach and ask to have some of these assignments completed prior to the first day. So then that way, when you do get started, you've got, you can hit the ground running with, with both your feet, or as we commonly say around Ivy, you know, when you start drinking from the fire hose. Um, on the first day of the program, which uh, still remains true. It's a, one of our taglines that I think has been consistent um, since the beginning of time. Um, someone should get credit for that tagline. But anyway, so that's the pre-stuff with, with the career management work. Now, what I heard, what I didn't hear either of you mention, which I think is great, is there's not a lot of networking with alumni before the first day in terms of trying to get out there and recruit, like network with alumni to help with your recruiting efforts. Um, were you at all thinking before the first day, should I be out there and, you know, branding and connecting with people on LinkedIn and trying to get my, my name out there? Or were you thinking, I will do it once the program begins and, and trust and trust the process and wait for March to kick in? Yeah. Um, I think what you'll realize, like uh, Ivy alumni are very keen to help you, but I found if you did reach out, um, they would say like, pump the brakes, wait till you know what you're actually in for. And then we can chat and they're keen to chat. And I think the first time I heard that from someone, it was kind of off-putting, like, I'm here to get a job. Like I, I need to talk to the people in this network. Um, but I realized that they, there wouldn't have been any value in talking to anyone that early. Um, they were always willing to talk about the program, what to expect, what the first three months look like. Um, but we're good about like guarding our time where we shouldn't be focusing on networking. Like we didn't even know what we wanted or what our skills were or how to talk about them at that point. So I would say that our alumni are very protective of using your time in the correct way. Um, but I did, of course, I felt like I need to start talking to people. And I think CM, um, again, like puts that polish on us for like, this is how you should be reaching out. This is who you should be reaching out to. And of course, they facilitate the events to do that. So they say like, wait for the times that we're designating for you to actually do that. Yeah, I think to build on that, um, it's it's all about sort of, again, like trusting the process, but there is a very laid out timeline. It's it's obviously the tried and true um, method for, you know, for networking and then for recruiting. Um, so like Jess mentioned, you know, in the beginning, it is really about just like doing the cases and sort of getting used to that routine. Um, and then slowly kind of builds to some more of those networking events and recruiting events. 
Um, and it, I think one thing that's really good about, um, you know, CM is especially they emphasize quality um, connections and not just quantity because anybody can just go out there and, you know, do the spray and pray method of trying to talk to somebody and getting connections. But um, that isn't ultimately going to get you a job. And so um, I think really there's a lot of um, effort and, and thoughtfulness that goes into um, the recruiting. And that really comes with time and um, with, again, some of those events that are specifically curated for, um, you know, getting to know different industries. I remember that was one of the first things that we did um, to kind of understand, you know, where you even want to point your ship and which kind of direction you want to go into. Yeah, both great points. And, and you're right. It is a quality piece of, of reaching out. And because the alumni have gone through this, when they find out you haven't started the program yet, it's like, okay, let's just wait to see. Once you're in it, then you'll know why I'm pausing you to say, trust the process, pump the brake, um, because there, there is a, an approach to it where you know, you're reaching out to an alumni, you're reaching out to someone, you want to put forward a positive first impression. And sometimes people, you know, to your point, Katie, just the blast, like, you know, 30 people, that's the same generic message. And you can read through that. Now as alumni, you probably see that where some outreach comes through your LinkedIn and they get, okay, this person really just blasted everyone, right? And and that just takes away from the, the approach that really we try to embed throughout the program, whether it's in the classroom conversations where we want you to contribute thoughtfully, um, having been prepared, or through in the career team where it's about, be, you know, let's think about your career strategy. Let's think about who you want to reach out to. Let's think about, you know, how you custom create that message. And yes, it takes more time, but it's going to have a lasting longer positive impression than if you were just to blast something out quite quickly. So the takeaway here is that if you are admitted to the program, there is not an expectation. And, that's, and actually, it's the opposite to say, hold off on those you know, formal alumni network you know, building or, or try to recruit out there before the first day. That's what we're going to give you in the program. And that's part of what you're paying for. So, so wait and go through the Ivy way of doing it. It really is the, the best approach for building that network and showing well to recruiters and both alumni. So we've talked about January to March and what sort of not to do before the first day as well from a recruiting perspective. Let's talk about from March until June. And so this is that, you know, drinking from the fire hose stage, as we've said, and curriculum aside, career management is also in the classroom too. Their classes are built into the core uh, curriculum. So they are in the classroom with you. Plus they're often one-on-one appointments. And that's some additional smaller group, uh, I guess, resources, whether it's through the technical interview prep, um, further interview prep to help you prepare for recruiting, which really does begin quite early on. It's really as early as June. So uh, maybe Jess will have you kind of kick off with, if you don't mind sharing what you can recall from those early days and those few months, uh, maybe some of the career management content in terms of the classroom work that they would do with you. And then maybe Katie, you can chime in with those one-on-one appointments and what those look like. Okay. I might need your help, Katie, too, to take my brain back to that period. <laughs> um, okay. So the the classroom the classroom sessions we had with CM were all focused um, and kind of based around the timeline that Katie mentioned earlier. So they would always put up the timeline of like, this is when you can expect um, what they call fall recruiting, but now it's really summer recruiting. Um, for some of the big firms that come to campus, um, there's, uh, what do we call the second recruiting? We're not uh, just in time, just in time. Recruiting. That's what I'm trying to avoid saying. There's a different oh. way. <laughs> real time. Yeah. Real time recruiting. Yeah. Time so recruiting. which yeah. happens in the spring right before you graduate. Right. Um, so they lay out that timeline much more eloquently than I obviously can. And then, um, we break it down into pieces in these sessions, right? So whether it's networking, whether it's 
your resume, um, what you can expect from interviews to look like and, and the offer, um, the offer process too, and how to work with your CM partners on navigating an offer process. So, um, those are the things that stand out most to me. Um, I remember they were actually in class slots. So during this time we have three 80 minute classes, um, and it would actually be one of the classes. So it's not tagged on, it's not extra. And that day you'd actually have two of your case-based classes. And then the third one would be with career management or, or the first one would be, but the thing I liked is it wasn't an extracurricular. Um, it did count for attendance. You had to be there. And so even if, um, if you thought you knew all of this, there was always something to learn. And one thing I remember from my peers who came internationally is a, a big takeaway from this were Canadian business norms too, right? So um, some of the things that having grown up and worked in Canada, I might've thought like, oh yeah, of course. Um, I had friends who were on my learning team who thought like, thank goodness for that session because there's more I'm learning about navigating um, the networking norms and that sort of thing in Canada. So that's what I recall from the sessions, Katie. I don't know. I'm sure you have a better memory than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I too, I too kind of adjacent things. I guess they weren't specifically within the classroom, but um, two kind of early on, I'm just looking at my notes over here because I still have them from last year, um, was the upper class networking activity and then the um, how I got here sessions. Um, so the upper class networking, I found really helpful to um, where you're paired with somebody who's just graduated to kind of practice, like Jess said, some of those business norms of, of just writing a, an email um, to ask for a coffee chat and then doing that coffee chat, asking a couple of questions and then getting feedback on how that email was written and how the communication was. Um, and that I think was a really good way to just get a little warm up before you actually, you know, talk to somebody in industry um, and do it for reals, I guess, in the, in the real world. And then the second piece was, uh, of kind of adjacent to those classroom activities was the how I got here panels where we had, um, I think there was consulting, there was finance, there's um, tech. And so you kind of sit in on as many of these sessions as you want to, hear about, you know, what exactly they do and how they got to those positions. And I think that was nice because it was usually with alumni from a few years graduated before. So you had a sense of sort of what they've been up to in the past few years and what their career journey has been like. Um, so those two I remember standing out quite a bit and now facilitating some of the upper class networking chats ourselves. And I think that's really cool to kind of see, to be in that position um, from the other side. Um, kind of Lindsay, to your point about the one-on-one -on -one, um, appointments, um, so there's a few different advisees you can kind of talk to. And I think a lot, not, not just me, but a lot of the classmates kind of mentioned, they're sort of your therapist uh, or coach, if you will, throughout the program. Um, because you, again, you're just bombarded by so many different opportunities. It can be quite hard to figure out, you know, which firm you really like and which, again, which direction you want to go. And so I found that when you schedule these one-on-one -on -one appointments, it's really up to you entirely what you want to talk about. So early on in the program, it would be, I'm leaning towards these firms. You know, how can I showcase myself? Um, what should I highlight in terms of my experience? And a lot of that was kind of running through your resume, um, tweaking cover letters to make it specific to firms, and really just personalized, um, you know, coaching, I guess, towards kind of what you're working towards. And so I think that was kind of the, the biggest help. And, you know, people, there's multiple advisees you can talk to. And so you can kind of test out who suits your style best. Um, and they're really there for you from that first beginning of the journey exploration all the way to, again, at the end, negotiating offers or kind of figuring out um, salaries and things like that. No, that's some, some great points in there. And I, you're, you're right. They're, they are like your therapist. And so I think it's interesting because some schools will say, well, we have these like 
personal, you know, executive coaches for you and they cover and everything. That's really what these do. I mean, this is the thing. These are individuals who are living along the journey with you. They know the ups and downs of the program. They know it's an emotional roller coaster. And they also know there's times there's a lot of uncertainty. You don't know what to do. And maybe you're navigating two offers. Maybe you're trying to negotiate a salary. Maybe things aren't going as planned and you're feeling pretty down yourself. Like they're there to help and guide you. The ask, of course, or requirement on your end is to do the work. So they're not going to handhold you and tell you, here's a job to apply for. I'll write your cover letter for you. I mean, you're adults. You're, this is a partnership with them, but they're human. And so that's the part of it is, yeah, you can see them. And I think it's still the standard, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's about once, once a week, you can book an appointment. And the appointments are about, what, 25, 20 minutes long to be with your career coach? Yeah. So, so that's what you can do for the duration of the one-year program. Now, you can't do it in the first two weeks. They tend to try to hold you off. Although every year we have some that come right into the office and say, I want to see my career coach. It's like, it's day one. You don't get to see them quite yet. We want to get you into the program first, get into the flow of things. But then, yes, you know, you can book the appointments, an online booking system. They open up, I think, on a Wednesday or Thursday for the following week. You can go ahead and, and book your appointment. And it is recommended to try the different advisors because, you know, they're all, they're all qualified and give great advice and will support there are some t- individuals that you may want more tough love from and at certain points, others you want less tough love from. And so that's where you can sort of, you know, figure out the right fit for you. And of course they share their, their notes with each other confidentially. So it's not to so say you went to one person you have to repeat your whole story to the next person. So it really is an effective system that they have there, but they are there to guide you. And they're also there to really help you with your behavioral interviews. And I know at some point they do like mock interviews with a few of you in the class. So you practice again, walking through your resume, telling the story of that once your resume, of course, is in that IV format. Um, as Jess said, it is, there is a reason for that. People do like to see the way that it is written out. It's easy to read, but there's a way of telling your story. And I know at one point too, they did a session that was like planes, trains, and automobiles, where you would be in different scenarios and do a different narrative for different periods of time. And they also do, and I don't think this is your class or not, just due to COVID, but with um, like a mock networking event. So you would, they did like a fake info session with the company using other staff members and you would practice, you know, going to an info session and asking questions and dressing the part. And because networking is awkward, it's not always a natural thing. It can be uncomfortable at times. And whether you're new to Canada or not, they help with you on how do I enter a circle? How do I exit a circle? These are some nice etiquette that that's part of their, um, I guess, education for you during our program. So that's all part of the kind of classroom broader work they will provide. And again, with the behavioral interviews with that and the one-on-one sessions and the industry overviews, they bring in um, technical experts for the technical side of, of interviews, like a Mike Bennett, uh, Marquis, some other initiatives to help with you preparing well for those as well. Now, this is all going on the first three months. And some of these extra resources are outside the classroom um, as well as their one-on-one appointments. So let's talk about the big inaugural event of Get Connected in June. Uh, Katie, do you want to talk to us about what is Get Get Connected? What is it all about? Uh, and maybe how you felt going into it. Were you anxious? Were you thinking, oh my gosh, am I ready for this? I mean, it's essentially three months in and you're already starting to meet recruiters. Yeah. So um, I guess this will just caveat this. But this was all online for us. And I know that in previous years, um, you'll kind of see information on kind of what it was like in person. Um, but so for us, all of this took place on like an online platform. And really, the purpose of the event is to get connected with um, with alum with alumni and um, with recruiters. And so, one thing that I think really stood out for me is this, and I think an important uh, thing to remember for everybody was that this isn't you know everybody trying to get a job. This is really just to learn. Um, and so, you know, going to different info sessions, whether it's banking or finance or consulting, is really just to you know see what the firms are like, um, what kind of 
um, you know, experiences you can have and what really differentiates one consulting firm from another. Um, and then, you know, going into breakout rooms and really getting to spend some quality time in small groups with alumni who have been there um, and who are now working in those companies and those industries. And so I thought that was really fun to, you know, obviously meet a ton of new people, but also just get a feel for, you know, this firm isn't really, you know, my style, but it's good to know that before I start, you know, trying to network and recruit with them. And then you figure out, kind of narrow down from the industries that you're interested in, what companies that you think you would align the best with. And so I think that was a huge takeaway for me from Get Connected. And um, even though it was all online, that actually allowed us to meet a ton of more, um, more firms than maybe in person. And so that was really facilitated some great conversations. So John, your own experience before I asked Justin, your experiences get connected and your prep for it. Um, Katie, did you find that happened with you where you went in with some ideas of employers and some either positively surprised you or maybe not positively surprised you or, or you know, where you decided, oh, I thought this company would have been great. And now I'm realizing they're not for me. Yeah, there are definitely firms that, you know, I was like, oh, they do really interesting consulting work. Um, and some I realized were just specifically, you know, in oil and gas, in mining. And that is definitely something that I wasn't really interested in um, or, you know, very, um, yeah, very industry specific or, you know, some companies obviously work there, you know, have longer hours than um, than others. So from that, you know, I knew I didn't want to go into investment banking, for example. So, um, again, you kind of learn about not just the companies, but also their industries and sort of how they fit within their own ecosystem. So it was a great way to kind of just narrow down the list of who I was interested in. No, that's helpful because, you know, you can read a company's website, you can follow them on social media, and you're just trying to understand, like, what is it really like? What is your culture like? What is a day in the life like? Similar to buying an MBA, you're trying to figure it out if this is a fit or not. Um, and that's what they're trying to do with you too. And that's why these companies do, you know, every year engage in this event, whether it's virtual or in person, because they want to try to get to know you beyond your credentials of your resume as well. Fit is important still through, right? It's got to be mutual fit on both sides of it. So this event is helpful and that's why it is so early on and creeps up a little bit earlier every year. I think this, this year that we're in now, it was actually started off in May. So a little bit towards the, uh, the end of May, um, back in, it was some in-person events and they're kind of spreading out some industry tracks to get to get to know different companies and different industries and to you know, either open up people's perspectives and say, hey, there's more out there than just this one avenue of consulting. Look at human capital, look at these other areas, or you know, let's look at you know, being a product manager, part of a tech company, right? Let's understand different career pathways that you can take with this by getting to know the company better and even better the alumni that are present there um, who can really share more about their stories. Similar to that, how I got here panel, which was always my favorite panel every year because I love hearing those, those stories, especially a few years out. So Jess, what do you mind me telling us about your experience with Get Connected? That would be, be great. Yeah. Um, not too different. Like I think to, to Katie's point about us being online, we met a lot more companies and a lot more alumni than we might've in person. Um, this year I was downtown Toronto when the current class was here doing their, um, get connected in person. And they were like running from office to office, which is so exciting. And we're only a tiny bit jealous, but, um, it was neat for us to be able to see how much our alumni community leaned into this online platform and really showed up for us. And, um, and the companies too, like they, we have companies that bring like 40 employees with them to these networking sessions, maybe in person, it's a, a bit fewer, but um, it can't be understated how much effort the companies put in to come to us, right? So not trying to sound on my Ivy high horse right now, but truly the the companies are putting in a lot of effort to meet you when you're in this program. Um, 
And I think of people, especially again, who've come internationally, like that's your chance to connect with these companies. And it doesn't matter if you've had a previous network here and you haven't had a chance to meet people yet. Um, you'll meet tons of people in these structured events. So um, I think that is, that was like the most meaningful part for me was meeting so many people that maybe I'd be too shy to reach out to, or I wasn't sure if I should yet. Like you're thrown in, you're in the breakout room and you're going to be asking a question whether you like it or not. So um it's that like character building piece of Ivy again, but um, really, really pushes you in these moments and um, gives you a chance to practice with, um, I would say, low stakes before you're really getting into the importing, important recruiting events, which are evaluative. I find, sure, there's firms that come to get connected and are trying to evaluate your, you as a candidate, but it's not that serious, Katie, at that point, right? It's very us information seeking them, maybe checking out the group, but um, the, the stakes are lower and it's a nice time to kind of find where you want to end up or where you want to aim for. You're right, the stakes are lower. Add, yeah. Yeah, just to add on to that too, I think, um, you know, when you're kind of in that networking phase, you are really unsure of who to reach out to. Um, and so get connected is a really great way to kind of not only see, you know, okay, a year out from the program where I could end up as an associate or, you know, whatever level it may be, but you also get to meet, you know, managers and sometimes partners and, you know, kind of see that career trajectory. And I, th- I thought that was really interesting too, um, because they do kind of move around maybe within different departments in their companies and, um, go back into industry and then go back to their companies and things like that. So it's not just, you know, people who have just recently graduated. It's all across the spectrum, people who are Ivy grads, non-Ivies. So you really get to meet a, a whole host of people. Now, that's a great point. You're right. Because when these companies do come out, whether it's a virtual event or an in-person event, that they do bring a, a, a diverse group of individuals from all parts of the, the company of different levels. Uh, and that way you can right, see, wow, if I stay here, I can move along this pathway or I could pivot into this area. So it is great. Uh, and that's what they're trying to, I mean, let's, let's be honest, they want to get to know you, but they're really trying there to sell themselves, right? They're trying to where you can say, wow, I love this company. I like what they offer. I think that they've got some great, a great culture, great people focus there. Um, and so that's really why they want to do it early on as well, because they know soon the job posting starts. So let's segue into that in terms of now, okay, get connected is over. You've gotten connected. You're hopefully staying connected with people you've met there. But now it's the full-time postings. It's the on and off campus in terms of like uh, events going on on campus, usually September, October. Sometimes in the July, August months, there's some events hosted through different companies, uh, whether those are virtual or in person. So in terms of, I guess, the job posting process and applications, do you want to maybe just quickly walk through in terms of what that feeling is, you know, with around Canvas and the energy with it, the stress of the applications and maybe a bit of a, a timeline of that typically kicks off with consultants and investment bankers, usually are the front runners with being the first ones to submit their, their, um, their postings for students. Um, but it, it is more and more companies are starting a little bit earlier as well. But if maybe you wouldn't mind walking through that sort of July, August timeframe when a lot of this is in full force. Yeah, I think this is like still too soon to be talking about it. It's still, it was a very busy time. And I know Katie's laughing because we were in the thick of it together. Um, So you're right. Consulting, of course, consulting and investment banking are coming in first, but also the um, bank rotational programs are very early. They're one of the first um, that come in as well. And some of the uh, CPG rotational programs are kind of all in the same pile. The deadlines first are typically for consulting and IB, but um, it, it does feel like there's kind of something for everyone at that time. Uh, 
I will say like the job postings don't come up as a surprise, especially with the big firms. Um, the CM is letting us know they're coming, but the firms are also communicating directly with the class. So if we use a firm like Bain, for example, they were emailing the entire class to say, hey, the Toronto office is recruiting. We're having an event for everyone that day. Um, and everybody come. This was on Zoom. They would would probably in person do it uh, during Get Connected, but this was for us to come to get to know the firm a little bit outside of Get Connected. Um, and they give you their dates. This is the date we're posting. This is the date we decide. This is the days that we'll be interviewing. So that's pretty transparent. Um, that said, with everyone with their eyes on it, it is a stressful time. So everyone's watching the postings, trying to get themselves ready, uh, using their technical prep for interviews and that sort of thing. Um, so typically we're seeing deadlines happening and I can use this here because Katie and I have been working with some of the 2023s. Um, and so they right now at this point, they are looking at first round interviews happening this Thursday. Um, they have one company this Thursday, they have another next Thursday, Friday. So this time right now is the kickoff to those first interviews. And it gives you an idea of how quickly that happens within the program. Um, and the support is there for you to be successful at this period, but it is a lot because you're still in class and you're still figuring out London and everything. Um, but yeah, this is right now, timeline-wise, this is when interviews would be offers. Probably we're looking at mid-August um, with a two-week decision period. And a lot of people in the program who want these jobs that come early will know by end of August, September, where they're heading the next year. Yeah, that's uh, well captured. You're right. It is, it's kind of crazy to think that it's all that can happen right away, like so soon in that it's like, okay, wow, the, the job's posted in July, you know, offers mid-August and then decisions are made end of the summer. So you could be very settled and happy end of August and know where you're going in about a year's time. Uh, or you could still be on the hunt. And I and I think it's important to, to recognize that uh, you're right. It's always consulting and banking first and some of the rotational programs, as you mentioned, will recruit first, uh, but others will come more in September, October. And then again, that real-time season in, in January, February. And it's always where, you know, once a job posting board is active and live, that will be continuous throughout the year. Different companies will either come to campus or host a virtual event, or some don't come to campus and they just post through us. And so this is where the career management team will help and guide you and in your early days of talking about where you think you want to go and some companies of choice. If they know the timeline of the company, they'll share that with you so just to help you be prepared for that. Uh, when you mentioned just that B Bain was emailing everyone, just to mm -hmm. clarify for those, what this means is that there's a resume book. So part of once your resumes are all updated and to the Ivy way, they are uploaded to an online system that all of our recruiters have access to. And so some will, they'll search and maybe they'll email the entire class, or maybe they'll search based on parameters. Maybe they want to see you have a CFA. Maybe they want to see you have an undergrad in commerce or whatever it may be. And then they will email and target you accordingly or open up to everyone there. The resume books are active throughout the entire year as well. And that's why it's important when you update your resume, upload it to the system, that you do keep it updated. If you change your mind on industry preferences or function preferences, employers pull on that. So it is important to, to keep your profile as up-to-date as possible. Sometimes recruiters will use that method as well for invite-only events. If they really want to keep it small and tight, they know exactly who they're looking for, they will do that as well. And uh, though that can be sometimes tough news as you're not part of that invite, it is a way that they want to recruit. And that career management team does help with those um, recruiters you know, accessing the resume book database. Yeah. And I think so, that's fine yeah. too, Lindsay. Sorry, I don't mean no, to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, of course. There's one thing that's like coming to mind too, 
in terms of CM, we often talk about our coaches, but there is an entire team that's working on industry management. And I don't know their actual title, Lindsay, but we had a chance to connect with them and talk about our experience um, virtually with recruiting. And it was amazing to see how many connections they have to industry and how well they know these firms um, and how many firms want to come to campus. I don't know. Um, we don't really speak specifically about that group a lot, but they're very well connected. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's the corporate relations team. And that's, that's a great point to say. You have the career advisors, you have the corporate relations team, then you have the the operations team who will make all the events you know go as seamlessly as possible and they are the the gurus behind the behind the scenes oftentimes but with the corporate relations team that's part of the work they do they stay in touch with recruiters they educate them on and the mba program changes you know what students are looking for what the interests are and then that way you know they can you know help facilitate some of those introductions with companies to campus uh and, and vice versa so yeah well-connected group they stay on top of what the pulse is out there as well. And then they communicate that information to the coaches. So that way the career advisors or the coaches, we both call them both informally. Um, that's part of them is their one-on-one appointments will then share with you, oh, X companies, you know, they're looking to come. They're probably going to come in this time frame. So you again have an idea of what to work on and make sure that you're prepared for those, those timelines. Um, and so really the summer can be, you know, sometimes off-campus events, mixers, some companies will host, um, you know, again, you're in class till one still. So it is advisable that you do any recruiting outside of those hours. You can only miss so much class, but September and October come through and that's the traditional campus recruiting where you've got, you know, more organizations coming who can predict their hiring needs in eight or, you know, 10 months time. And so these are companies, again, that have campus plans, so to speak. They recruit nationally, maybe even globally, and they'll come to Ivy host info sessions, um, usually an hour and a half timeframes and have job postings that will sort of go on through their, their season as well. A lot of companies will also host interviews on campus here too. So either first rounds, usually second rounds and finals are not on campus, but otherwise you can expect a lot of that to be here on campus. And usually year over year to give an idea, because there's a lot of activity that goes on early on. And so always the question is, there's so much flurry going on, on campus. Like how many actually get offers and what is the, what is the state looking like at that point? And usually by November 1st, about 40% on average will have received at least one offer by that point. Now I'm assuming that was the case with you both. Is that correct? Yeah. And I'd say my friend, a lot of the people like just to take account of that number, it's not a hundred percent of people applied and 40% got jobs. There's a lot of people who are not even inter- interested in those industries that are recruiting in the spring and got awesome jobs. And we're planning to do that the whole time. So just take that 40%, I think with a grain of salt too. That's a great, great clarification point. Yes. Yeah, obviously everyone applies because a lot of the companies again, will actually not be recruiting until that January season forward. So, uh, and that's where your timing of your electives can, can come into play. Because if you know those companies aren't going to be active September, October, maybe you front load your electives and then you have a lighter season for the last few months. So you can spend more time going to those recruiting events that are that are what you're interested in at that point. Um, so really the recruiting season kicks off in June until the prep work is done. And you roll all the way through until really graduation in March with a variety of events, uh, info sessions on campus or at uh, organizations um, offices throughout throughout that year. So we're going to wrap up in a couple of minutes. So I see some questions coming through the chat, which is great. And we'll certainly get those questions. But before we get to there, just now knowing, and now you're in these shoes, which I know before we started, you both said, wow, this is so crazy. We're on the other side of this now. And I remember the anxiety last summer at this time and how busy we were. As you reflect back, I understand those in the room, you know, at various stages, but obviously, you know, not in the program yet. Um, what advice you would have specifically around you know, understanding that it is so busy and how do you focus your time and not get overwhelmed when it comes to the recruiting piece and, and managing it all? 
Um, I'll let either one of you kickstart whoever feels ready to, to respond. I can jump in first. Um, and one of kind of goes back to what we mentioned in the beginning about the sense of community. And really it is the IV you know, process is really not something that one person just goes about alone. Um, so whether you're an international student who's just, you know, in London by themselves for the first time or, you know, your partner's long distance or things like that, um, you really lean on not only CM, but also your classmates um, for so many things, you know, just, you know, mental support throughout the year or through your classes, but also through the recruiting process. And I think that can be a very taxing time um, mentally just because it's a lot going on. It can be an emotional time. And so, you know, one of the greatest things about um, the I've experienced for me, I think, was um, getting to lean on others' experiences and learning together. And um, I remember doing some practice um, interviews with Jess and, you know, kind of helping each other out through that process. And, you know, I think we're both super happy with kind of what how everything ended up. But it can be, yeah, lots of ups and downs, like you mentioned. Um, so I think my greatest advice, knowing kind of where I am now, is just to lean on all the resources, all the people that are there to support you. Um, because you're not really meant to go about this journey alone. Yeah, I don't know if I have much more to add to that, Katie. That's probably the number one thing. Um, I think one thing that always helped me is like recognizing that like the Ivy program is designed to be hard. It's stressful by design and that's to push you to these limits that you didn't know you could reach. So um, it'd be interesting if we could go a year back and ask Katie and I where we think we're going to end up. And I don't know, I think these companies would probably be our answer or these functions even, right? So um, it's, it's amazing what you can accomplish as a group. So I think recognizing that when you're in it and you're in the thick of it, it was designed to be that hard um, makes it easier. It's not just hard because of how you are. <laughs> that's the way it is for everyone. Um, that helped me get through a lot. So you're saying that your essay number one has changed from what you said you wanted to do to maybe where you ended up. Is that what I'm, I'm hearing here between the oh lines God. here? My, yeah, my essay probably would change five times if they made me. <laughs> That's okay, though. That is so expected. And I don't have a hard percentage, but I honestly, I think it's like over 85% what they say during the chats with myself or team members or in their essay or in their actual interview for admission it changes, right? And so, and that's just, that's part of the journey is you only know what you know based on websites or a social media presence. Uh, if you're lucky, you know someone who works there, but that is hard. And if anyone reads a job description, you know, it's really different than what you actually are doing. It's hard, you know, for any position you're in, regardless of industry. And so that's really why it is great to, as you know, Katie, you even mentioned, relying on those around you, rely on the resources, you know, engage, ask questions. This is your time. You really want to maximize it. And you have a whole career team dedicated to you being successful. You know, they're not going to come in and tell you, well, you have to do this and you should do this. They're going to give you feedback that they want you to work on so you can then develop and present a stronger self to these recruiters. But they are invested in your success. That's why they're there. So leverage them, use them. Um, so that's that's a great advice that you've, you've given. And yeah, it's interesting. Now you've come full circle and now you're on the other side and you're going to just keep giving more great alumni advice uh, as the, the years come on, as your careers continue to grow, uh, which is a great thing with the IBM MBA, especially when you see alumni a few years out. As you mentioned, Katie, at that How I Got Here panel, it's you know a few years out, you start to see some more career transitions or advancements. And, and that just, again, um, proof is in the pudding there to show that the MBA doesn't expire and it will help with your uh, continued progression. So we'll take some questions now. I saw one come through from Nicholas and Nicholas, nice to see you here today. Um, we know he asked a great question around if, you know, either one you could elaborate further on more of that prep for, okay, you've applied for an organization. Now you've been selected for an interview. Can you be more specific around what are some of that resources you, that were offered 
And whether you use them or not, how prepare for um, that actual recruiting and the job interview process. Yeah, I can start and Katie can help me with everything I forget. Um, so Nicholas, there's tons of resources, but I think the main thing um, that helped me a lot was we have a consulting club. So when you come in, you have a student-run consulting club. They have an alumni alumni-based advisory board um, who advises them on kind of like walking us through being prepared. So throughout this club, we have um, one-on-one matching for uh, case prep. So case interviews are going to be your biggest part of this interview process. Um, so they they do peer matching when you're not sure who you should be casing with or you don't have a buddy yet. So that was important. Um, they also set up technical mock uh, practice with alumni too. So that would be, we have like a super day it's called, and they would arrange that so that alumni come in and they do a real mock interview with you, including a case. Um, so that's the main area where you're connecting with your peers who are like-minded around consulting interviews. They provide you like a hundred different case books. So you have access to case books to case with your friends. Um, and so that's just kind of a structure that brings everybody who's like-minded together. Um, outside of that, we have a session that kind of kicks off the consulting season um, with a professional um, former consultant who walks you through exactly how a consulting interview should go, best practices, and that's done live on a Saturday. I think the session's about four hours. Um, outside of that, CM arranges technical mocks. So Katie and I both did these this year. Um, the past year's class comes in and you can book technical mocks with them, which is running through another case interview. Um, and these are available to you weekly throughout the entire recruiting process. So you're not just having to uh, mock with your peers. Uh, other than that, we have access to websites. So the first one that comes to mind is Management Consulted. Um, and it's just full of resources, whether it's um, practicing your mental math or structuring or um, accessing cases themselves, as well as a program or a website, I guess, called Rocket Blocks. So um, this sounds like a lengthy list. I think that's because it is. I don't know, Katie, if I've forgotten anything important here. Um, there's another site called Case Coach. Also, lots of like good videos um, to help with like exercises, like frameworks and things like that. Um, and yeah, I think you've pretty much covered everything. And I would just add that it's um, including other industries. I think you asked in that question as well. So if you're doing kind of finance um, prep as well, there's like tailored um, alumni technical mocks for that. Um, if you're doing um, consumer packaged goods marketing, if you're doing um, bank rotational programs, there's also um, resources for that as well. But um, the most resources I would say are probably for consulting and for, for, um, for finance. For sure. And sometimes too, because a lot of those will bleed through to other industries as well. So that's where that prep is great for. If you're thinking consulting, why not, right? Go through it, go through the motions of it. It might just even help you prepare for other interviews in the future. And then the student clubs get also quite involved with sort of that, some of that support as well at the consulting club in particular. Were either of you members of the consulting club? You both were. Okay. So yeah. So that's another resource, um, you know, that will help through that area. And that's definitely a busy club early on. Um, it's it's like okay you gotta again like gotta get the ground right in that because clubs aren't really elective until the, the May time frame so um, that that's some great intel there so thanks for sharing those resources and you're right Jess as you mentioned there, there's it's a big list because that's what we're here to do we're here to help you be successful with your career so we're going to give you a big list and and advise that you opt in you know as mentioned earlier some of the career resource support some of it is mandatory like part of the classroom work it's part of your contribution part of your grade. Um, certainly there are some intake meetings and some mandatory career one-on-one sessions and behavioral mock interview sessions that are mandatory, but there's some other sessions that are optional. However, we look at it and say, well, if it's going to only help yourself, why not opt in? Uh, and that would be my advice for those considering the program is if you are in the program, 
you know, opt in for things more than you might think you might need it because you never know how you may draw upon that later on uh, in your life, whether it's during the program or uh, life as an alumni. So one question came through, it's not specific to uh, obviously the topic of today of recruiting, but it is around sort of the application stage. So, um, you know, looking back at your time now and now you've gone through and been successful, of course, you don't know exactly what it was within your application that made you successful with, with being admitted, but what would be advice? If you were to go through and buy an MBA again, is there anything you would do differently or what would be some final thoughts to share with the group on that side of things? I can jump in first with this one. Um, I wrote the GMAT and I remember being very stressed out about, you know, my GMAT score and, you know, whether this would hinder me from, uh, from having a successful application. And I think the advice that I would give my former self would be to not focus so much on the GMAT score and know that in application processes, it's all kind of about a holistic, um, you know, viewpoint. So, you know, they're not just looking at that one item, but they're looking at, you know, your work experience, your volunteer experience, what you do for fun, um, you know, what kind of experiences you've had, what you can bring to the classroom. I think that's a huge one for Ivy because it's so team-based and discussion-based. Um, and so, you know, really highlight the things that make you unique and things that you can, that you think can bring to um, a really collaborative type of environment. Um, because again, it's not just a one person out on their own doing an MBA. It's um, at the Ivy, it's really about um, working with a bunch of people. So anything that kind of highlights that and highlights the unique parts of you, I think that was, that's kind of the advice that I would give. Yeah, I'll just add on to that is one thing I think that I wasn't as prepared for now, like going through this program, I think it's like kind of embedded in how we um, keep track of things. But advice I had gotten from my partner when he finished was um, like, keep track of your accomplishments. And so if you're not buying your MBA this year, um, as you're working this year, write down the great things that you're doing so that they're easier for you to talk about. Now, I know as the fact, like our recruiters um, and our CM team, anyone who will interview you aren't looking for you to have like the most massive accomplishments, but the things that are your successes be prepared to share them and to talk about them and not to be too humble um, in talking about like what makes you great. Cause I think that that's really what they want to hear. Um, I remember um, having really great conversations with everyone throughout the process, but make sure you're showing up and sharing what you're great at. Cause I think some people um, lean too much on test scores or transcripts or that sort of thing, but they want a really collaborative group that um, is, is going to bring their best and, and share that with their peers as well. So Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I think as a, as a great wrap up, it's to say that you know, you've, you're both proven examples. You're both one, you know, two of many that have been successful with the career transition, um, you know, coming from industry and coming from banking into consulting and different parts of consulting as well. And then it is possible it's in the one year. You don't need the internship with it. And consulting in particular, I'd say is one industry where an internship really is not part of their recruiting efforts those organizations. Um, you'll both be, I'm sure, part of the recruiting teams or part of the Ivy coming back for uh, in the future. But some industries like investment banking, yes, an internship is likely going to lead to a full-time employment. However, getting an internship with an investment banking uh, company is even harder than getting a full-time position. So it's never a guarantee with any internship at any program. And if you're admitted to a program, what we're saying is that you have potential, that we think that you can get there bearing in mind to do all the work, which was highlighted today and you attend the events. But, um, you know, part of our admissions team is certainly a faculty advisor for academics, rigor, uh, our team to make sure that you have that, you know, personality of being a contributor and being a good classmate and a career management team member. They are there to say, listen, we've interviewed them. We think where they've been, where they want to go, you know, whether it changes from that moment forward. 
um, that, that we think they can get there doing the work and they've got the transferable skills. So um, last to say that the myth is debunked. You don't need an internship to do a career transition. You can successfully do that, whether it's into consulting or any other industry out there. Um, bearing in mind that you do the work and you come well prepared to do so. So thank you both for your time. Thank you to everyone tuning in today. Really do appreciate it. And uh, if you have not submitted your resume for an assessment to connect with our team, that's a great next step to do. And otherwise, hope everyone has a great rest of their day. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information on our career success, please visit go.ivy.ca slash employment.